marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug in the United States and we haven't begun to find out all of the ill effects. So this is a dangerous drug that will impact our kids. If you legalize marijuana, you're gonna kill your kids. That's what the data shows from around the country. You always have to have some cannabis around, you know, when you start when you start an uh, episode of the Chill My Podcast. I don't know if you, if either of you listen, but it's just how we do it. Um, hey, yeah, we heard a couple <laughs> of your episodes. We hear you smoke at the end of each episode. Hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah. We definitely make sure to do that. We always try to cap it out with a smoke sesh with with everybody. So, hey, you know, folks, you just heard a few voices. Uh, flip a coin. Uh, either of you can go, but why don't you head and go ahead and introduce yourselves to the audience of the Chillinois Podcast? Sure thing, no problem. So this is uh, Ambrose Jackson. Uh, I am the president and CEO of Helios Labs, Parkway Dispensary, Highwaymen Security and our roll-up parent company, which is the 1937 Group. Um, you know, the 1937 Group owns, you know, majority percentage of, of the mentioned companies, Craft Grow, uh, Illinois Dispensary, as well as a secured cannabis transportation company. And so, you know, we're here in Illinois. We're, we're excited to, to have these licenses uh, awarded um, and move forward and do some good things, right? Uh, how you doing? What up, what up, what up? This is Ray Martinez. I'm the president of the 1937 Media. It's a sister company of the 1937 Group. With 1937 Media, we support the 1937 Group in marketing strategy and execution, event planning, social media management, videography, as well as merchandising, designing, and development of, the, uh, of every single brand that's under 1937. Well, thank you both for taking the time, uh, Ray and Ambrose, to come on to the Chillinois podcast. I think that you know it's huge for future cannabis operators to connect with the community, and I'd like to think that that we can help facilitate that connection. So, hey, you know, um, I think a good place to start. You mentioned, you know, everybody, of course, wants to hear about the new brands and the new products that are going to be coming out and such. Uh, but I think it would be cool first to talk about what is the night like 1937 what is what does the 1937 group mean can you tell i feel like it might give us a little bit about your background and 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 telling us that so whatever bros you can take that sure thing so you know 1937 is a reference to the marijuana act of 1937 and so you know when we look back we see this act as setting the foundation for uh marijuana prohibition which ultimately involved using this plant, you know, which had been used for medicinal purposes over centuries to effectively subjugate black and brown uh, folks, both physically and economically. And so, you know, specifically, you know, the cannabis plant you know, has been weaponized over decades. And, and I'm sure, Cole, you're aware of that, uh, leading to you know, mass incarceration, um, among other things. And so, you know, by calling ourselves the 1937 group, you know, for for us, we underscore the uh, the importance of number one, understanding our history, right, and how racist laws and the disproportionate enforcement of them influenced where we are today. You know, when we look at you know our families and you know our communities, and right. you know it's about taking 
know, back the power of this plant, you know, and using that to effectively create our, our own future in this space. And that's, and that's, so that's pretty much, you know, what 1937 is, right? It's, you know, we're creating a movement. It's not about black and white, really. It's just about, you know, focusing on the plants and creating opportunities for those who, who've historically, you know, created the backbone of this industry, um, and making sure that they have their rightful seat at the table. Oh, hell yeah. Well said. I mean, I uh, had a feeling that that's, I was trying to think like what could have happened in 1937. Sorry, I started Googling, you know, cannabis 1937. And I was like, oh, I saw the, and folks, if you want to Google it, definitely do. It's, it's good to know your history. And it, you'll notice that it's spelled um, like M-A-R-I-H-U. I right, think that's eight. <laughs> yeah. And so just a little bit of, if you, do you want to give backstory maybe as to why they started it? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but why they called it marijuana as opposed to cannabis. I mean, it sounds like you have uh, some some background on that. I just, you know, I was yeah. I, was I didn't want to take I didn't want to take your stage. In, no, no, go go <laughs> ahead. I, I was going to reference that even in other states. If you look at their their regs and the rollout of adult use, you know, marijuana is, is even kind of there's an O to the the H rather than the J. But go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, from what I understand, uh, it, that when they started around 1937 and in those times. When they tried to start to demonize the cannabis plant, they they started to refer to it as as marijuana, you know, to try to make it sound, um, I guess, you know, maybe like more of it doesn't sound like an English word is the point. <laughs> and and you start to just to give the give it these connotations. Right. And you play on people's racism. And mm-hmm. um, I, I guess that's actually uh, from what I understand, that's that's why it used it because from what I understand, I mean, the plant is called cannabis, right? That's its, that's its genus. But, uh, that word marijuana, I believe it wasn't even, I believe it was for a plant, but it was for like a, a bush that grew in Mexico. Like they just, uh, yeah, that's what, what I, I understand. Say. Yeah. They just, <clears throat> yeah, they, they shot it towards the Latinos, man, all the Mexicans and, you know, yeah. and from California all the way down to Chicago, New York, like everywhere, like it, it was their way of like, making the word like ethnic yes and then thank making you. it yeah. putting a brand on it so that people wouldn't like it right right and that's why we you know we always talk about right when it was created it was literally you know targeting when we say black and brown folks absolutely right? absolutely yeah so i just wanted to uh accentuate that point because it's i feel like it's important some people don't know you know why um i've had i've seen other people point out to others you know like hey maybe you don't call it marijuana because of its racist you know kind of history and and so folks if you didn't know about it that you look it up of course read more about it but that's just a little bit of background so um cool well thank you for giving us the the background on your name because like i say i i felt like in telling us that it would tell us where you stand you know on on certain issues so um yeah yeah that's super awesome i gotta i gotta ask well first of all i gotta say congratulations um on winning some cannabis licenses here in the state of illinois it's uh it's tough to do but you know as you guys know so well yeah i mean as you know it's been a shit show right i think up until this point for many applicants and so you know we we do feel fortunate right to um to be in this position where you know we you know, essentially one one of every type of license that we applied for and we can kind of stand up a you know minority led vertically integrated cannabis company in Illinois, which which is a big deal, right? Um, especially if you think about, you know, the thousands of people who applied for these various license types 
there was a lot of time put in, um, a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of blood, sweat, tears um, by many people. And so it is it is so you know upsetting, right, how the state has been, you know, holding these licenses up for, for a year for a year plus and, and dispensary side even longer at this point. Yeah, it's, it's I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It is bittersweet. Uh, kind of brings you back to the day of the application process when we we're turning it in. And yeah. I remember seeing so many black and brown there, just <clears throat> big smiles on their face, excited to turn in this application. And all of us grinding to get to this point. And then we do win a license and we turn around and it's like, we're the only ones on top here. Like it's, it's weird. It's just, it's like I said, it's bittersweet. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say the only one. No, but, no, but know. you know what I mean? Like, like it's like at the application process, there's so many of us there. And then when you turn around and there's just a couple of us here now and like, it just, I don't know. Again, it's bittersweet. I do appreciate it, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. I mean, just to, uh, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it was something like, you know, 4,000, 5,000 applications. And then there was something like 21 winners, I think, in one of the application pools. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure on, on each one, but yeah, just to yeah, accentuate I mean, your point. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that whole first 21 round, like to me, I just disregard that. That was, in my opinion, all BS. Which, and yeah. I'm glad they kind of, um, you know, realized, uh, you know, I guess listen to the voice of the people and realize like that trying to give 75 licenses to 21 teams who supposedly had a perfect score was just straight BS. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually, I found the numbers 21 out of the 937 got that initial lottery to get 75 licenses. But of course, after protests and lawsuits pointing out that many applicants had wealthy or connected white investors, officials added 110 more licenses and two more lotteries to expand the pool of qualifying applicants. So, well, you know, it's that and, you know, it's, it's widely, I think, widely proven at this point, just the, the scoring process was flawed. Absolutely. You know, there were, there yeah. were many teams who submitted you know, multiple duplicate applications that were scored differently, you mm-hmm. know? So it just kind of lent me credence, credence to just something not being right about how the how things shook out with that first, you know, that first yeah. Um, round. Yeah. And one last comment, cause you know, I, I want to move on to more positive topics um, unless you guys have anything, but cause I don't know, I just feel like a lot of people talk on this topic and they dwell on it a little bit. Um, but one last comment, you know, uh, with regard to your comment about KPMG, um, made me think about this. Um, oh, sorry, my uh, computer is ringing. Um, <clears throat> so your comment about KPMG made me think about the fact that it's interesting that you know COVID came around, right? And mm-hmm. cannabis businesses were deemed as essential, right? And then mm-hmm. they used COVID as a reason to delay the cannabis licensing process and i was like well wait a minute i thought cannabis businesses were essential why right. would we delay the licensing process <laughs> and it's just interesting because only these cannabis businesses are essential right not the new guys right in the block. yeah you know just you know just looking back right i feel like um all of us were a little bit hoodwinked with how adult use was rolled out approved and rolled out in illinois i mean approved based off of you know, there being, you know, the the most comprehensive social equity program developed yet across the nation, um, you know, and you know, starting January 2020, right, the current operators were allowed to start selling recreational with, you know, the expectation that, you know, the social equity applicants would be allowed to see it at the table by a certain date. Right. And, you know, 
two years have gone by, multiple billions of dollars have been, you know, of cannabis have been sold by the current operators. And, uh, you know, we're all just kind of still sitting here. What happened, you know, wondering what happened to the promise that, that was provided to us. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so we posted numbers. There was a Chicago Sun-Times article today about how cannabis dollars are being appropriated in Illinois. And it'd be really nice that if we could appropriate some dollars to, to folks like you who have just been kind of standing in stagnant water waiting for the go ahead, you know, for two years while you pay, you know, business fees and uh, staffing fees, uh, just waiting right. for your right to open a, a business. It'd be nice. But of course, that's wishful thinking. Anyways, though, I promised, uh, unless you guys have another comment, I promised we'd get off this topic because I want to talk about positive things, cool things you'll be bringing to Illinois. No, let's, right, let's do it. Yeah, let's let's do forward. it, guys. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm really excited to see what you guys have to bring uh, to Illinois. Um, you were telling, we were talking, uh, you know, about your relationship with the cannabis plant and how, you know, frankly, <laughs> we've all used it for, for most of our lives. Um, tell us about what you plan to bring to the cannabis industry in Illinois. I could start with uh, equality, right? For one thing, we want to bring equality back to Illinois. And one of the biggest topics with it would be our culture. Right now, the old white guys think they know what the culture is, right? Things that these cultivators and these dispensaries, they have no idea really what the culture is. And um, what we want to do <clears throat> is not just as Helios Labs, which was 1937 group, is stop them from forming and like designing their own culture into their own liking. Cause it's not what it was. It's not what it was from 19, from, from, you know, from the history of the cannabis, you know, from the right, history of right. the, the weed. So for us, it's like, hell no, let's bring it back. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it the way it should have been done. Do it. Bring that culture back, bring that, bring our people back to how cannabis was and how it started. You know, we know our own culture. We know we were born in it, you know? So, yeah, I mean, just to kind of, you know, piggyback on what Ray was saying, you know, I think number one, you know, when it comes to you know, teams like us, you know, companies like us, you know, entering this, the field, entering this industry, you know, we're first thing we're bringing to the table is, is a, is a level of authenticity that, you know, we believe is not present, right? We, you know, we're bringing the culture along with us. That's not present. And, you know, I think that's, that's what Ray's calling out. It's like, you know, the, the current legalized culture is being made in a certain image that is, that is not representative of, of the real you know, culture and, and the various subcultures that are already there. Now they're, so they're like, designing it in their eyes, you know, so it's for us, it's about, you know, bringing that, you know, what's under, under board back above board, putting it on the table, putting it out there and, yeah. and letting, you know, giving a platform for folks to, to relate to what they've always, you know, related to, you know? Hell yeah. Well said. I like it. Um, you know, and of course, of course, you uh, plan to bring quality cannabis. I think we'll talk about that maybe in a, in a, in a bit if you're um, uh, ready, you know, to talk about that. But I think a, a easy question to start with, it's something you mentioned earlier, um, and I just want to make sure that we addressed it in case anybody was like, what, did the, what is that that they just said? What, what does that mean? Uh, you mentioned that, you know, the 1937 group is a, a minority owned vertically integrated cannabis company in Illinois. Can you tell us right. 
what that means. Obviously, we know what minority owned means, and and we're really happy about that. Um, but vertically integrated cannabis company, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So you know, in in certain markets, I think it's this idea of being vertically integrated. You know, is 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 more essential, and I think this is one of them, right? So what, what what we mean is, if you look at the supply chain from the point where, you know, you're you're growing the plant, um, you know, you're transporting it, um, and you're selling it in retail to consumers, right? Where vertically integrated uh, entails kind of having control of that entire pipeline, that entire supply chain. So, you know, so you're a little bit insulated from you know the whims of market dynamics, um, you know, from you know, what's going, what the big operators um, want to do and, you know, how they, you know, perhaps uh, establish their pricing. You know, for example, if you, you know, say you just have one license, like, you know, an infuser license, you know, you're, you're going to be subject to purchase your distillate from a current operator. And, uh, you know, these, yeah. these guys have a, you know, they have a monopoly on the market right now, essentially. So they can, you know, they're going to charge you a, a pretty penny. They're going to charge you a premium. You know, it's going to be said that it's based off of the supply and demand. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, 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 there's a potential to be priced out of the market where you're buying, you know, products at a price that at a price point that you can't even sell them for and, and make enough money to stay afloat. And so, you know, I think for us in, in Illinois, um, that's why you know being vertically integrated is, is so important is because. You know, again, you know, when we grow our our, our plant, we we're not going to you know have to worry about not having a shelf space or not having a, a location to to sell it at, and vice versa, right? And we get to the point where you know we've got 185 new dispensaries online, um, and they're all vying for you know the same product from the same group of manufacturers, right? We've got that steady supply um, in hand already, uh, so so that's that's essentially I guess what we mean when we say vertically integrated. Very cool. So it's like you you can get a social equity product that was stocked by a st- social equity like uh, employee that was delivered by uh, you know the social equity licensee, the transporter. It's the whole the whole thing from seed to sale. Pretty cool. yeah, and yeah, and just you know as an as an owner and operator, being able to leverage you know the the economies of scale and, and other benefits. Um, by, you know, from owning the entire, you know, supply chain from that angle. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes, makes total business sense with regard to, you know, products. I mean, what do you guys, can I ask, um, you mentioned, you know, that you guys were almost ready to unveil branding and stuff. I'm not sure if, if you are ready mm-hmm. to do that yet. Um, but I guess, do you have an idea of what sort of products you might offer? Yeah. So, you know, I think when it comes to what you had mentioned about, you know, us being ready to unveil branding, right. You know, to your point, it's, it's a little bit early for that. You know, we, we want to be very deliberate about our brands. We want them to be, you know, well-made, well thought of and um, thought up. And, you know, we want to make sure that we go about introducing them to the market in, in the right way at the right time. Right. And so, even if you think about our ability to to sell anything, we're still, you know, a good eight, eight months out from that, you know, seven, eight months, potentially six. So, you know, I think the idea of kind of um, getting our brand out there and building awareness is going to you know, uh, sequentially come a little bit you know, closer to that time frame when we're actually ready, ready to sell, you know. 
Yeah, but on that same topic, um, we are working on different designs and concepts and stuff. So if you know if there are listeners out there that that think they have ideas or would like to work with us, absolutely reach out to us. Yeah, before yeah, we I, get any, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, you know, you had mentioned also like you know products and things like that. It's, you know, there's different approaches that you can take. Every company's different. Every company's gonna have a different strategy. Obviously, you know, flour is still king. You know, so flour and pre pre rolls yeah. are are big component um you know of our of our offerings early on and and i think the the idea around flowers and as a craft grower is is to differentiate yourself from what's currently on the market and i think that that there's a big play and a big opportunity there just as you mentioned looking at the quality um you know looking at the the strains right um and then you know combining that with some additional uh educational aspects and branding around, you know, helping people understand like, okay, what's a terpene profile, right? How does terpene percentage play into the taste flavor, you know, the feel not, you know, not just being all about, you know, THC percentage and things like that. Well, um, you know, I got a question for you. It's, I've heard, you know, that a lot of craft cultivators, uh, folks that have gotten licenses that folks that are applying to get licenses, um, and to, to build out facilities because next month, actually, sorry, this month, December, uh, is the, the, I believe there's a legislative deadline for um, more licenses to be issued. Uh, so we'll see if, if that happens and how that happens. Um, but I, I expect it to happen. I mean, you know, I've read about it uh, from a few different sources and everybody's keeping track of it. So I expect it to happen. Um, but we'll There's see. a lot of things that I expected yeah. the state to do by the date they said they were going yeah. to do it by. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We've been expecting things for two years now, man. So, like, I stopped <laughs> expecting the state to do anything they said they're going to do. <laughs> Fair so, enough. Yeah. I, won't, I won't hold my breath on that. Um, Don't. <laughs> so, my question, though, you know, uh, what I've heard on the street is that, you know, craft cultivators, folks that either want to apply or have applied and have gotten licenses are facing some uphill battles with regard to supply shortages, trying to build out their facility. Uh, You know, of course there's supply shortages right now with regard to the supply chain. Um, We've also, you know, just heard that it's not a great time to break ground here in Illinois. And one of the biggest things that I've heard, I think the most valid um, it's like unneeded barriers uh, is the fact that you guys are capped out at 14,000 square feet of flower and canopy space, uh, you know, maximum, but really you start with, I think 4,000 or 5,000. Yeah. I was going to say it, yeah. it starts off worse than the 14,000. Yeah. It starts off at five. Yeah. So, I mean, do you guys have any thoughts about that? Uh, should we try to be pushing for, um, you know, right off the, I feel like right off the bat, you guys should have access to your 14,000 square feet. And if you don't, if you Absolutely. show compliance issues, then maybe, yeah, we'll scale it back. Um, but you know, so, so yeah, I mean, just to kind of speak to how you started it, right. Just, just winning a, a craft grow license. And well, I'll speak about that specifically just because it's such a capital intensive business to get off the ground. You know, add to the fact, as you referenced, just the cost of materials, building materials is just, you know, skyrocketed, you know, since COVID. Um, you know, you look at our initial financial plans when we thought the cost was going to be versus what it is now. Almost double. And then, you know, and then we have to go get financing, right, yeah. from private investors. You know, it, it puts craft growers in a very, very tight 
spot and and specifically more so because of what you referenced like you know we can you know our financial projections have to be based off this 5000 square foot flowering canopy you know and so you know, when you look at that that influences the valuation you know when you're raising money and so if you look at the valuation of the company you compare that to the expenses and how much you need to raise yeah. It, it puts you know social equity applicants in a position where they're they're struggling to even you know create the value proposition that and that, that allows them to open up while owning you know a majority or any real equity at that point. So I think that's you know there's a trailer bill to that point you know forty ninety seven which is something that you know I, I believe we should all be getting behind and um, trying to raise raise awareness around you know it is um, you know led by. Uh, Senator LaShawn Ford, and you know, I think a couple of the, the points on there, which which would be extremely beneficial to social equity applicants that want craft licenses, are you know being able to operate at fourteen thousand square feet right off the bat, you know, and then also the um, the elimination of the distance requirement between craft grow licenses, so you know that allows for you know co location, co ops, yep. stacking, things like that, which. Which again creates um, you know more opportunity for you know social equity applicants as as it relates to kind of creating value. Gotcha. Yeah, and I mean another contributing factor. Which uh, so can you say that bill name again before I move on? Yeah, HB forty ninety seven. Okay, so folks, if you want to look into it and and voice your support, you know, reach out to your local representatives and make sure that. Um, it gets through. I think that would be great. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in this conversation, but why 14,000? Is it just because like, why not more? We, same question we want to ask, you know, I, I imagine you take what was, you get kind of thing, <laughs> take what yeah, you can get. No, it's not, I don't, I don't even think it's that it's just like, like one of the scary parts is we start at 5,000, right? right? Right. And the way the history is right now with Illinois they're like, oh, it's very easy. Then all you have to do is apply for three more thousand. I wonder how long that's going to take. Well, that's from the day it. we submit that. Yeah. Are they going to give us two years? And then they're like, eh, well, that's part of the problem. Yeah. It hasn't even right. been decided. That's my point. Like, like this is scary. This is, we're 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 playing this game blind, you know, and it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, in another way that we're playing it, I don't want to say blind because I. I mean, people have the expectation. I've been told this. I've been trying to make people more aware of this. But uh, I mean, are you aware of the fact that your craft cannabis will only be able to be sold as adult use cannabis? It can't be sold as med- at the medical cannabis tax rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just one of those <laughs> one of those things that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on who who's able to influence the bills as they're as they're being drafted, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I just, I throw that out there to remind folks, but I also throw it out there because I don't think there's, I don't think there's a reason that we couldn't maybe persuade our politicians to legislate some sort of change with regard to that. Because frankly, at dual use locations, um, I remember when we launched, Justine, my co-host was a, was a uh, bud tender at the time. And Mm -hmm. folks, folks were complaining because there was a lot more on the adult use menu. Well, the uh, I can't remember if it was IDFPR. Somebody in Illinois made a policy change to where medical patients could buy off of either menu. You know, no no limits at the mm-hmm. medical cannabis tax rate. Of course, you still can't with a medical can- cannabis card go to an adult use only dispensary and buy at the medical cannabis tax rate for some reason. But I think if right. we push for that, 
that will allow for all of this to happen. I mean, at the end of the day, you should be able to present your medical cannabis card at any dispensary and buy it at that tax rate. Like it really shouldn't be that complicated, but I digress. That's not really what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> um, uh, well, anyways, you're not, I, you're not incorrect. <laughs> in I, your, I feel in your assertion there. I feel it was important to bring up though, because I, you know, I feel like it's part of your uphill battle because frankly, like, I don't mean to the elephant in the room though, and we don't have to poke it. Uh, we can move right on. But like the elephant in the room is that craft cannabis is going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty expensive because of all of these things that you have to account for. Right. You know, like square footage, the limitations of square footage and everything else and meeting your bottom line, like these arbitrary obstructions kind of worry people that, that that's what, this is what it's going to end up in, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we have, we, that's why we have to fight right for every little crumb, you know, we have to fight for it, you know, and that's, that's not a unique struggle to this industry. I think, yeah. you know, when it comes to, to minorities in America, right. And, and you know, corporate America and all, you know, many other industries, you know, this is the type of stuff that, that we see on a regular basis. Yeah. It's a hurdle race, except our race has more hurdles. Yeah. Well said. That's beautiful. Well said. Um, well, Hey, you know, I, uh, those are all tough things and I, I wish you guys the best of luck. I'm going to look into that bill. I had not heard of it. Um, folks, you know, like I say, look into it, do some research, contact your representatives and hell, you know, maybe even start the conversation. Why are they limited to 14,000? Cause frankly, folks, you know, the other operators have multiple cultivation centers, first of all, and some of them get up to like 210,000 square feet. So like, come on. You know, let's, let's talk about yeah, a yeah. level playing field. I mean, if the operator can handle it, let the operator handle it. And so that's my thing anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, but I well, digress. You, you, I was going to say you have an advocate in us. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, um, you know, tell us a little bit, um, about like, you know, you've got, I've heard really good things about your team, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you got, you want to give any of your team like specifically, you know, a shout out or anything? <laughs> Just wanted to make sure to give your whole team some recognition if, if you want to. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we, we have a, uh, we have a large, a large team, right. And I think that's just representative of how, how we've gone. We've decided to go about this whole social equity thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I could talk more about that, but, you know, we, we do have a courts team, um, you know, Jonathan Valdez, Eric Ice Gibson, Tristan Jones, um, Jim Riley, um, you know, Ray and my Ray and myself, uh, who, you know, have been here, you know, from the beginning, you know, working together day in and day out, 3 a.m. nights on a regular, you know, daily basis oh, to yeah. put in, you know, all of these applications. And, and then, you know, at this point, you know, we're still, we're still, on the grind, we're still every every day, you know, working on different things that we need to do to get, you know, financing in order to get the construction documents completed in order to, you know, build, you know, partnerships and, you know, focus on our strategy. So, yeah, of course, you know, I'm saying 100% shout out to to the team. Hell yeah. Well, hey, you know, you, you mentioned social equity and wanted to talk about it. Let me give you the floor. I mean, we can start anywhere go and t- touch on anything. It is one of the topics that I wanted to, to touch on. And we've kind of touched on it here and there, but yeah, uh, on the topic of social equity, you mentioned earlier, Illinois set out to be 
the most equitable. I think that's if you look up on the the, the site right now, Illinois has uh, set up the most equitable cannabis industry. <laughs> um, that's of course written at the time of legalization when nothing had happened yet, and and of course still nothing really has happened yet to an extent. Um, let's talk a little bit about social equity. What's your uh, you know what's your take on the subject? Tell us about you know how you. Uh, try to incorporate it into how you operate and everything else. So, I mean, let's, let's go back to what you said when, uh, with the state of Illinois, when sure. they first rolled everything out, they threw it out like social equity and right. it made everybody like, Oh my God, you know, it's about time. They put all these rules or like, Hey, check this out. Being a minority, being black, being Brown is going to help you. If you had any situation, you know, with the law, with anything with cannabis, it's going to help you. If you've been, you know, a military veteran, it was just like on paper. This thing was fantastic. Like everyone was looking around like, man, there's going to be a lot of minority owners, you know. Then I don't know what the hell happened. It's gone. Like that, that's what we don't understand. Like on paper, everything looked fine. Well, you know. It's and, not- no, 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 no. Hold on. Let me finish. Like right. it, it was gone because and, and this is why I say it. It's because um, on paper, everything was fine. And then there was these rich white ties that came in and, and found these little loopholes on how to get around and how to bring in their minority. Like, okay, I'll give you 51%. I'll do this and do that. Or, you know, and I'll, again, like I said, it just, it went from this perfect layout to like this rugged, nasty, like carpet. And I just, I don't know. That's just my take on it. And I feel like the idea was fantastic. Just the actual, like, so, yeah. So just, you know, to add on to that, right. To me, to me, if you think about, the whole purpose of social equity and what, you know, why they said that they were going to, you know, move forward with, you know, recreational adult use yeah. is because they quote unquote, unquote realized that, you know, the war on drugs <laughs> was, you know, harmful disproportionately to some people over others. Right. right. And obviously, right. you know, this is, this is just a plant. Right. And, and so, you know, if you, if you fast forward and you say, okay, you know, the adult, adult use, all these licenses, social worker program is supposed to help folks who were harmed or their you know, family members were harmed in some way by the war on drugs. That's cool. But, you know, to Ray's point, you know, what ended up happening, happening is, you know, there's a lot of folks who ended up just getting a front person, yeah. you know, that that checked the box for social equity. And, you know, and so if you look at these teams, you know, there might be a couple of, you know, two, three people on the teams. One of the social equity applicants. And, and so if you, if you ask yourself, you know, circle back around to the, to the whole purpose of this program, well, how many people and families are now benefiting, right, from uh, legalization, you know, financially, economically? The answer is one in this case for this team, you know, there's one person. And that's, you know, in many cases, only short term until they sell out. Right. Yeah. And, and so to me, that's that's part of part of the issue. Obviously, you're going to always have people that you know look for loopholes and try and gain the system. But, you know, in some cases, the loopholes were, were created right there, you know, by by folks, <laughs> by the folks who wanted the loopholes. Yeah. Right. When you talk about the same about, folks that applied, when you talk about, you know, being a social equity applicant just because you're going to hire people that live in a DIA area. Right. Like. Okay, <laughs> you know, but so, you know, I talk about us and, you know, how our approach was different. And, you know, we can, we started off with you know, multiple, you know, as a team with multiple social equity applicants, multiple veterans. And, you know, 
you know, I, I, my objective was to identify people who have skills and backgrounds and experience that are applicable, you know, and have the passion and the desire, right, to actually do something in this space and to operate and, and, and actually have the aptitude to do it also. And so, Absolutely. yeah, so, you know, when you, when you take that approach to team building, right, you know, for us, it just makes, makes us that much stronger. Um, you know, these folks, they help, you know, team members, they help write the app. And at the end of the day, once we get these licenses, they're going to be right there, you know, um, alongside us. able to, yeah, to help operate the yeah. company because they rolled their sleeves up and got their hands dirty. And that's, and that's, what's unique about us as, as, us, as, a you know, sometimes folks might say true social equity applicant is, you know, that's the makeup of our team and how we got here. We had during the application process, right, we had multiple current operators from out of state saying to us, hey, you know, just, you know, you don't have to do anything. Just yeah. give us 49% equity. We'll write your whole app. We'll pay all the fees, yada, yada, yada. Nope. We had, you know, after we got our licenses, we had, you know, another round of current operators, you know, from out of state and other places, right, saying, all right, cool. You got a license. All right, I'll just give me forty nine percent. I'll go ahead and fund it. You know, we'll I'll operate it. You don't have to do anything. Just sit back. And you know, in both cases, our response was, you know, thanks, but we got this. Mm-hmm. We also got letters saying we'll just buy it off you straight off the bat. Like mm-hmm. Amazon, I get those letters all the time. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Right. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you 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 look now at at what what we've been able to create, right? You know, and we're still working at it, but. You know, with you know, within the nineteen thirty-seven group, and and it's you know at this point subsidiaries. We, you, know, you talk about the one social equity applicant on these licenses for other groups that won. We got over thirty individuals and families, you know, that can say they you know have ownership, you know, and within the cannabis industry in Illinois, you know, and just you know getting in the game is the is the hardest part, right? When it comes to cannabis, once you're in it, you're in it, and so you know, for us, like. We, we feel like that's important to create that that pathway. Once we walk through the door, like like you know, let's you know turn around and try and make sure we can open the door even wider for other people behind us. So Should you know that, that wall down. That, that's what we're about. Yep. Hell yeah, guys. Hell yeah. Well, um, once again, we're sitting here with Ambrose and Ray from Helios Group. Um, they've won uh, how many licenses again? Uh, we won. One one in a craft grow, one in dispensary, and one in uh, transportation. That's awesome, guys. That's awesome. Well, um, you know, when now when uh, you've got your craft grow, so that can open. You can start basically at any time. Of course, we're talking about all the complications with facilities aside. But for the other licenses, are there anything like holding you back from? I mean, obviously, if you're vertically integrated, you're not going to be shipping anybody else's product. But like, yeah, when when do you expect to have all the pieces and parts moving or do you know that yet? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking to be fully operational in July or August of 2022. Right. Um, you know, as you mentioned, we, we were able to move forward with crack. It's the, uh, you know, the biggest, you know, heaviest lift you know, from a construction standpoint. Um, the dispensaries, right. Those are easier to get off the ground, but the state has been holding them up based off of the litigation. And so we're, we're hopeful that, you know, with this next hearing, I think it's on December 14th, you know, that they're able to, uh, to start to move this thing forward and release the licenses. Transport obviously is dependent upon more so, um, you know, our timeline for craft grow, right. There's no need for us to, uh, to start transporting, uh, getting our trucks and transporting, you know, air at this point. <laughs> so, sure. um, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what we're looking at. 
Cool. Cool. Well, um, I wanted to ask uh, as well, you know, I meant to ask this earlier. Uh, I wanted to be clear about where you guys are located, how people can contact. Yeah. Tell us, I, I've totally forgot to ask you like where, where are you guys going to be located and um, yeah, yeah. How can people get a hold of you or kind of get in contact with you online and such? Yeah, no, no problem. I mean, I could do that. Um, Helios Labs is located in Broadview, Illinois. We chose Broadview, so we're going to be at uh, 2150 Parks Drive. And that's, again, like I said, in Broadview, Illinois. The uh, dispensary, we don't have a location yet. Again, we're still waiting for litigation to disappear. And then as long sure. as with uh, transportation as well, as far as transport goes, we're not putting anything down on the ground yet until the craft grow, you know, is up and running. Yeah. And uh, to get a hold of us, absolutely. I mean, uh, anybody can go to helioslabs-us.com. You guys want information on the actual uh, the lab itself, you know, um, applications or however you go. A lot of social media. Yeah, about to shout out social media. Um, Instagram is definitely a spot. You know, you guys can always tag us, send us messages. Um, that's going to be helios.labs uh, and then uh, Parkway Dispensary. There's a straight all lowercase all the way through. And then we just started our TikTok for Helios Labs, man. There's two videos. Anybody have any questions? Oh, boy. I don't even think I've seen it. Yeah, we just did a video right now with our craft bro, uh, with our directors, uh, our director of cultivation with Nick Rebels. So he's uh, he answered a few questions that people were asking us that sent me you know, messages on it. So, yeah, absolutely. There's definitely ways to get, get a hold of us. Cool. I'll have to sit. We'll have to sit down with Nick sometime. I was going to ask you about like cultivation and stuff, but maybe Nick would be better suited to speak to. He would be to, the man. To, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll line that up then. We'll line that up. Um, especially, you know, as we get closer to putting seeds in soil, we'll get you guys back on um, and maybe even make a trip out there. You know, that'd be cool to do to, to yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's definitely, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the main thing, right. When you talk about like you know, where to find us and things like that. I mean, you talk about what's different from us and current operators. I do believe that you know, our, we're, we're looking to be more transparent, right? We're, how we engage the community is a key difference. You know, um, we're not trying to operate behind the veil or of anything, right? We want our communities to know we're right here, we're front and center. Here's what we do. Here's if you want more information. Here's where you go. You know, um, you know these are the tip. These are the types of um, causes, you know, and companies mm-hmm. and not-for-profits that we support based off of, you know, um, you know, our, our, you know, social responsibility cause, um, you know, th- those are the types of things that, you know, it's important for us to know and, you know, see for folks to see as kind of like, you know, a differentiator. Awesome. Well, uh, I wanted to get back to, I wanted to make sure to cover that, but I wanted to get back to the topic of uh, licenses just for a bit, just to, to compare contrast and then we can maybe uh start to close this episode i don't necessarily have an answer for this and i'm not expecting you guys to either Um, but it's just a discussion we've had on this show a few times um so you know one of the main differences between the craft licenses and the dispensary licenses and the transporter licenses is that there were limited numbers on the craft licenses and dispensary licenses um the state can issue an unlimited number from what I understand of transportation licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about loopholes earlier and I feel like loopholes happen when there are, you know, criteria, not that the criteria wasn't admirable, like that social equity criteria and how we make, how we define those applications to get people extra points because of where they grew up or if they were, you know, disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. 
Like those things were all admirable. My worry and my thought though has been lately that like those limitations are the reason why that we are where we are. You know, Illinois politics is the way that it is. And so it's almost like, you know, we were talking about earlier, like everybody was talking about how great this was and we were so excited. And I mean, even other states, like before it had even played out, like New York, they were like, oh, we're using the Illinois model because they incorporated social equity into their rollout and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, we've yet to see a license. So slow down there, champ. But, uh, you know, I guess what my thought is just to complete it and, and kind of to open it for discussion like, what do you think about the limited license approach versus maybe a more open approach? And I'm not talking like Oregon or maybe even Oklahoma. That's a little yeah, bit yeah. too wild, wild west and open. But but even then, you know, there's somewhere in the middle. And I, I feel like we were too we were too limited. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, you know, I think to your point, right, it depends on, on who you ask, right, what their opinion on this will be. You know, I think there are some who will, who will actually advocate for the Oklahoma, you know, uh, Washington model, right? And, you know, just say, hey, look, let the market play out. You know, let people, if they want to open up a business, let them open it up. If, if the uh, local ordinance will approve it, let them open up. You right. know, um, let them rely on their ability to operate efficiently and develop good brands and, you know, um, and create a sustainable company, you know, and, and if they can't do it, if they can't hack it, then you know, that's them. At least they at least they can look back and say they tried. They had a chance, you know. Right. And and so, you know, obviously on the other end of things is, is we've got the Illinois market where, you know, you win one of these dispensary craft grow licenses and all of a sudden a piece of paper is worth, you know, more than a million dollars. Right. Right. Um, you know, just for the paper, it's not even a, a business or anything. And, you know, and just and that's just based off of the fact that there are there are so many other people who are being denied the uh, ability to have that piece of paper, right? Bingo. Yeah. Right. They're denied the ability to even have a chance to prove themselves. Right. So, you know, I think to your point, you know, my, my opinion, yes, yeah, there's, there's probably some, something, you know, somewhere in the middle that makes sense. Um, for us, our stance as a 1937 group is we support, you know, more licenses, more, uh, more people being able to enter the industry we 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 um we plan to compete right we're here to compete we're here to 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 blow you know any any current operator or future op operator out of the water you know based off of you know our operating model based off of our brands that we develop based off of our execution you know based off of our relationships like that's that's our strategy you know and we're not afraid of competition so you know i think that you know that's that's i guess that's my response Hell yeah. No, well said. That was a really good response. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, you know, yeah, I looked up because uh, you guys mentioned the intent of the law and it is pretty funny because this is another topic we we discuss on the Chillinoid podcast as we start mm -hmm. to uh, close out uh, the, the first paragraph of the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act of, of it's the law folks that legalized cannabis in Illinois and you didn't see it, but I just did air quotes legalized um, because that's one of the things we've been talking about lately. We, if, if cannabis arrests are still happening and by the way, it's disproportionately still black and brown folks that are uh, being incarcerated, uh, you know, being charged with these crimes. Mm -hmm. The question, the, the, I beg the question, is it legal? And so it's just interesting, this first um, paragraph and uh, 
defense attorney kind of pointed me to this because it's, it's interesting how like it's almost hypocritical we are. In the first paragraph, it says, in the interest of allowing law enforcement to focus on violent and property crimes, right? This, that, that's the first few words of, of why we legalize weed. In the interest of allowing law enforcement to focus on violent and property crimes, and then, of course, generating revenue for education, substance abuse prevention, treatment, freeing public resources to invest in communi- communities and other public purposes, individual freedom, the General Assembly finds and declares that the use of cannabis should be legal for persons 21 years of age or older. And so, um, yeah, I always like to bring up the fact that arrests continue. Um, and it, it's funny because there's a, just a really small other sentence that shows our hypocrisy. The General Assembly further finds and declares that cannabis should be regulated in a manner similar to alcohol. I argue that it's not at all regulated similar to alcohol. In fact, it was recently reported, I think, in the Chicago Tribune. I'm not sure exactly. I think it was the Chicago Tribune. Um, Cannabis in Illinois is regulated tighter than opioids in Illinois. Um, And, you know, you've got purchase limits. So if you want to talk about being regulated in a manner similar to alcohol, you have purchase limits and you have possession limits. And so, I mean, I mean, the, the, the hypocrisy and the arbitrary guidelines and, you know, thresholds established, you know, from the beginning, they, they abound all over. Right. So, you know, like another example would be just the definition of a social equity applicant. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, if you were arrested for selling this much weed, but if you sold this much weed or, you know, then then that doesn't count. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, you sold, (laughs) so you have to have, you know, been arrested with possession, right. Of a certain amount. And you know, above or below that threshold, you didn't you sell know, enough weed. That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's it's. <laughs> that's, that's like, no, you didn't get caught selling enough weed. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. You didn't caught selling enough weed, man. You should yeah, have been playing yeah. it more big time when you got caught. <laughs> that is pretty hypocritical. Right. Well, anyways, guys, uh, I feel like we've gone all over the place today, and that's a little bit of. Uh, I'm going to blame it on coffee. Um, but, uh, is there anything else that you guys, uh, you know, wanted to talk about? I feel like we did a good job of talking about, uh, what you plan to bring to the Illinois cannabis industry. Uh, you know, we touched on the impact of the war on drugs and what the 1937 group stands for, what it means, um, you know, our opinions and on social equity and maybe the, some of the ways we could uh, achieve it. Like we talked about, maybe it's somewhere in the middle between, um, what we did in Illinois and what's happened in uh, places like Washington or Oklahoma. Um, yeah. Any, anything else that uh, I do have a, another question for you, but anything else that, that you guys wanted to touch on before we uh, cut out of here? You know, I guess I would like to touch on one topic and, and I don't know, it might be even a little bit more of a controversial um, statement or topic, but you know, this, this idea uh, that, you know, part of me wants to ascribe to, right, this idea that says, you know, fuck the current operators, fuck MSOs, you know, like that's a sentiment that's out there and it's understandable, you know, but, you know, when I, when I look at, you know, my, my mindset, you know, I, I can't personally say that, right. And, and so I do want to just kind of speak on just the reason why the different, the, the differentiation, the differentiation between uh, why, why, right? Um, you know, if you look at like the Crespo, Cresco Labs of the world, you know, these companies are not inherently evil, right? The, t- the people that run them are not inherently evil. 
you know what what you see going on in illinois is is you know literally just capitalism right and that plays us plays itself out you know in every single industry so what we're seeing is more of the same of what we've always seen you know and and so you know when i when i say i don't i can't say what uh, MSOs like the reality is part of the reason is is because I I'm on I, I have an aspiration to to actually lead an MSO right I have I have an aspiration to be a bigger player than just yeah. a mom and pop shop right yeah. and so you know for me it's more about it's not it's not about you know being corporate or, or anti-corporate you know for for me it's it's more about you know, how you go about doing it, right? How you lead your company, how you lead your corporation, um, you know, the, the types of people that you bring along with you, who it is that you give opportunities to and partnerships with, you know, um, your, your social responsibility. Like a lot of folks talk about that, but, you know, they don't actually live it. And so for me, that's what's important, right, is, you know, is how you lead um, and what type of organization that you're going to, you're going to be, you know, like there's going to, there's a role for these larger companies. There's a role for craft growers. There's a role for, you know, dispensaries, right. There's a role for everybody. You know, we just had, we just had to figure out how, how we, how we can work together. Like there's no way you're going to push any, you know, they're not going to push us or we're not going to push them out. You know, they, right. they could push us out, you know, based off of the being in their best business interests and, you know, we have to work together, I think, as a result, you know, and that's something that I'm really big on, um, you know, with our group 1937 is, you know, when I talk about a movement, right, we have to, we have to work together with other, you know, licensed winners, others, um, you know, that are, you know, in the industry, maybe not on the legal side, but, you know, I think, you know, we have to, we have to work together, we have to figure out a way to partner, um, because together, we're going to be stronger. So, you know, with that being said, um, you know, if you do want to connect with us, you know, come come check us out. We're actually hosting um an event um on New Year's Eve with Hush Chicago. Um, you know, that's a uh you know an event planning company in this space led by two um you know Latina women, uh, Vanessa and Kay. They're awesome. I will just say that right now. Ray thinks they're awesome too. <laughs> I do absolutely. I love them. <laughs> I love you, Vanessa. I love you, Kay. You guys are awesome. Right. But their Instagram handle, what is it? Uh, hush.chicago? Yes. it's uh, Well, they're Hush Chicago. And uh, their Instagram is, I, I believe, is hush.chicago. And then uh, Hush, H-U-S-S-S-H. I, let me just clear. Let me make yeah, sure. Let me look that up. But I, the, the, the main thing is like, hey, if you're yeah, about the culture. If you, yeah. If you're about the culture, if you want to, you know, get involved, if you want to start, you know, being, being part of this movement and, and meeting good people and, you know, connecting and trying to figure out how we can work together. Like, Hey, that's a good step. You know, go to their Instagram page, purchase a ticket and let's, uh, let's link up, you know, New Year's Eve. Yeah. They also have hush underscore Chicago. In yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. And those of you that are interested in buying the New Year's Eve tickets, it's uh, the website's hushchicago.com forward slash events. And uh, yeah, man, we'll hope to see you there. We're going to hang out with them, hang out with us. You know, we got a lot going on. There's, I mean, there's, you know, I think one of the most important things Ambrose said is the people who you bring along with and the people who you partner with is what is going to, you know, differentiate us from them. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, the other thing I like that Ambrose said is that like, you know, the dream is to become a MSO and yeah, absolutely. Really quick. quick, I want to say, 
folks, if you're wondering what MSO is, multi-state operator, because, you know, some people throw around that like, oh, I hate the MSOs. I hate the MSOs. And I asked somebody, I was like, what is, what, what is the, what are the MSOs just playing stupid? And they're like, oh, it's, it's these, com- these companies, you know, Cresco, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't even realize all, it's just a multi-state operator, you know? And what was mm-hmm. funny is that they said that they enjoyed Aries or Arise. I don't know if you've tried Arise right. Cannabis, but that is a multi-state operator. They're they're also operating in right. Arizona, you know. So it was kind of funny. Uh, I just wanted to say that, and I thought that was awesome of you to say, Ambrose. Like, you know, um, the the dream is to be an MSO. So like, no hate, no hate on the MSOs, you know. Um, right. The only yeah, thing I we we've ever pointed out is just like, you know, apparently there's been some lobbying history opposed to home grow, but we won't get into that. What were you going to say, Ray? No, I was just going to say it's a, again, again, what Ambrose said, it's who you bring with you and who you partner with and then your social responsibility. Yeah. It's your responsibility to help those around you, your neighborhood, the culture and everything else. If you just turn your back on that and you're just trying to profit off cannabis, that's the issue. That's the problem. Well, Hey, my uh, last question for you guys um, is how, uh, you know, besides when, you know, your products are on shelves, that's obviously a way we can support you. How else can our community support you at Helios? Yeah. So I think right now is, is just trying to, trying to figure out ways, you know, to, to reach out, to link up, right. Follow us on our, uh, our Instagram platform, you know, like you mentioned earlier, come, come, come visit us New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, our, our objective is, you know, we're, we're building a brand, you know, just with 1937 in terms of how we operate, you know, um, and and I think that that sets the tone for everything that we do going forward, which we want people to support, you know, as we start to come out with products, as we start to open up retail stores, you know, we, you know, we, we're, we're part of the people, you know, and that's, and that's who we want to represent. So, you know, that's, that's the type of support that, that we're, we're looking for. Hell yeah, folks. Well, um, one more time, what's the uh, website and uh, social media handles? Social media handles for Instagram is going to be helios.labs. That's for the, once again, for Helios Labs. Parkway Dispensary is just the way it sounds. That's the way it's spelled out. That's going to be all lowercase all the way through. At Parkway Dispensary is also on Instagram. Yeah, I will, I will say um, we are, we're, 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 in a, we're, we're about to launch, right? So we're, we're prepping for a brand launch for the 1937 group, yeah, yeah. right? As you know, our, our overarching parent company. Um, so that, that website is not you know published yet, but sure. you know, our, our launch actually coincides with this new year's party. So we're going to try and make a big bang, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Well, well folks, we'll put the uh, social media handles in the podcast description as always. So if that helps you at all, you can just copy and paste it right into your Instagram app from the podcast description so that you can, follow and support our new operators. I'm so excited that you guys were able to join us today. Um, you know, I wanted to just give you another opportunity. If there's anything else that, that you wanted to talk about, of course, I would love to have you guys back on in the future. I wanted to talk to, who'd you say it was Brian, um, your cultivation guy or did no, I say that would be Nick, Nick, that's what it was, Nick. Yeah. So I'd love to talk to Nick, anybody else on your team, you know, is welcome. Would love to, I see this as a, uh, the beginning of a really good relationship. Yeah. And then once again, I, I want to say follow us, but definitely don't just follow us. I mean, if you have to send me a message directly, send, I will answer them. I'm on it as well. Ambrose takes a look at it. So we are looking at these messages. Bro. We don't have the funds to pay somebody to do it right now. We're the ones doing it, you know? Yeah. 
So, so send us the message. We'll be happy to respond. If you guys want to see videos or ask us questions and you want me to go directly to Nick or anybody like that, we're, we're happy to, to talk to you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of other things that we could go into. Right. Um, but you know, this was a great initial conversation. Cole, I want to thank you for creating this platform, uh, you know, that you're, you're now sharing with us and, and others within the industry. So, you know, this is a pleasure talking with you, man. Yeah. And it's my hope that this, uh, thank you very much for that. And, uh, it's my hope that this platform helps facilitate a connection between my listeners and you and folks, you heard it from, uh, our friend Ray here, you know, you reach out and, uh, Ambrose or Ray, they'll be on the other end. I mean, this is your opportunity to connect with a cannabis operator. You know, some of you have mentioned that you feel like you didn't have as much of an intimate connection with some of the operators out there. This is your opportunity to be able to tell people, you know, what you expect, what you want, what you're looking for. Um, and, and just, you know, anything else. It's, it's a really, it's a rare opportunity. Um, obviously in the state of Illinois, we were talking, as we've talked about over this last hour, you know, in the, over the last two years, we've not seen any licenses really awarded. And so this is your opportunity to talk some new, talk to some new operators and folks I hoped my hope in bringing uh, Ambrose and Ray on was to uh, connect you with uh, a can- you know a future cannabis cultivator and uh, dispensary owner, you know, a, a cannabis operator in the state. So absolutely, and if we get enough followers, uh, and you guys want Ambrose to do a TikTok dance, I'll, I'll try to make sure that happens, man. Yeah, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> hey, we got to set a number to where we got to set a number, and we're gonna make that happen, Ambrose. There you go. We'll <laughs> set a number for followers, and then uh, we'll get Ambrose to do one of those TikTok dances, man. We're on TikTok, so check <laughs> us out there as I'm well. Not, I'm not that desperate for followers. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it done. Cool, guys. Well, uh, thank you again for sitting down on the Chillinoid podcast, folks. Once again, the um, handles are going to be in the podcast description. Stay tuned. We'll be in touch with Ray and Ambrose to do more in the future. Of course, talk to their friend Nick and uh, their whole team. It sounds like you have a really good team. So, um, folks, Cole, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, hope you found some value in this episode. Like we said, reach out to the folks at Helios and make that connection. That's what it's all about. So, we'll see you next time on the Chillinoid podcast. Take care. All right. Good. Peace out.